L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine tingling shows on AE Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. What's surprisingly learning that your family members supported anti-Semitic politicians? My, me, I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards. This was another trademark, terrible opening. Perfect, perfect. Put it on a shirt, I'll buy it. The better, the better, bro. Uh, My guests are, uh, as as with probably the one that came before this this week, uh, Cody Johnson and Katie Stowe! Yes, it is. We are indeed those people. That's true. Wowee. And today's episode, working title, is Pat Buchanan, my dad's favorite Nazi. (laughs) Perfect title. What do you you mean working title? No, this is some Blue Harvest nonsense. No, we're calling it that. I love it. Yeah. So, how, how are y'all doing today? The same day that we recorded the episode on free speech grifting. Just Still well. Just slightly more tired, but... A little more tired, but... Yeah. My dog's tired. at a questionable daycare facility at the moment. We'll see how it goes. I keep thinking about him. But other than that, I'm great. Yeah, but, you know, it's good for character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess. He's a little dog, and they popped him in, and I was like, great. And I peeked in the window where they popped him in. It's exclusively big dogs, and little Benny was, like, oh. in the corner unhappy yeah just like shocked yes. what his world like, has become i felt like i betrayed him or something <laughs> that reminds me of the time that i got dropped off at kindergarten but it turned out it was actually brandeis university what yeah <laughs> it was it was, it was it was quite the comedy of errors yeah <laughs> anyway i wound up being the dean Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, thank That's you. amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Big thank you. step up I was very from advanced. what you were expecting. Yeah, yeah. You've had quite a life. I have had quite a life. Yeah. 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 
So, you guys ready to talk about Pat Buchanan? It's Pat time. It's Pat! Ah! Whenever I hear his name, I think it's Pat. Oh, boy. And that's especially appropriate, because if there's one thing Pat Buchanan hates, it's the concept of gender <laughs> ambiguity. Yes. No. <laughs> Other than that, what do y'all know about P. Buke? P. Not Buck. that much. P. Buck. Not much. Um, I mean, I know I've read some of his uh, his work. Um, <laughs> his work, yeah. He does. I, his name comes up often when reading about uh, the topic of cultural Marxism. Um, I would, which you do, which, which I do. do. I would probably uh, call him like not this or the Godfather, but um, the Godfather Part Two okay. of of, uh, of that, Marxism. yeah, of that idea. Um, he's mm. a he's a evangelical type. Of... We'll talk about what he is. (laughs) Patrick Joseph Buchanan was born on November 2nd, 1938. His father was a partner in an accounting firm, and his mother was a nurse. He was one of nine children, six brothers, two sisters. He was born in D.C., where his family lived, but his family had most of its roots in Mississippi. Pat's grandfather fought for the Confederacy during that whole... Thing. Deal. Yeah. I wrote kerfuffle, but I used that in the previous episode. I use it too many times. I <laughs> it's, a word. Word. it's a good word. I was shocked to realize it's an actual word. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kerfuffle's a word. If you spell it oh, wrong. Oh, I meant that you were shocked. I was shocked, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, Pat grew up proud of his Confederate roots and would later join the Sons of Confederate Veterans. Heritage, not hate. As a young boy, Buchanan's heroes were right-wing politicians, Senator Joseph McCarthy and Francisco Franco. Wow. Oh, you laughed at, you laughed at the first one. I didn't get to the second one. That's even, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Did you hear the second I one? I heard it. I yeah. laughed over the second one. But Francisco Franco, the fascist yeah. dictator of Spain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. In a 2012 column for the Quad City Times, Buchanan would write off the carpet bombing of Guernica by Nazi planes supporting Franco as a minor crime compared to the aerial bombings that would come later, which is quite... Quite a take. Uh, <laughs> Not a hot take, because it's a century later. Yeah, it's pretty. But a take. That is a take. A that take. is a take. That is a take a person could have. It's not that bad that he annihilated that city from the air, because look at all the worst annihilations of cities from the air. Wow. I never thought about it like that. Thank you for contributing to the intellectual discourse. <laughs> I, never, never, I never thought about <laughs> other stuff. He ends the column by noting, Unlike Mussolini, Franco remained a non-belligerent in the World War, returned U.S. pilots who came down in Spain, and agreed to a post-war alliance with the United States. Non-intervention in the Spanish Civil War worked out just fine. Okay, so that makes him okay. Yeah, just fine. Just fine. I love all these, like, people, like, like the problem with, like, Mussolini was, like, that he, like, did start, he's, like, a he, he got involved with Hitler. Like, yeah. Then he went the, problem, to... the problem with Hitler is, like, he's, like, a glo- like, he's, like globalism. Like, oh, you know, you're like, predicting where this is going to go oh, later. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> God. Anyway, yeah, he said the non-intervention in the Spanish Civil War worked out just fine. For reference, the Francoist government is known to have killed, at minimum, around 110,000 people for crimes go. such as reading liberal newspapers and not supporting the military coup. Many of those killed were literally flung from cliffs to their deaths. The actual death toll from Franco's terror may be several hundred thousand, although due to the political nature of all of this, getting accurate death counts is a bit impossible. But I would not describe that as... Working out just fine. <laughs> um, what if to, you compare it to other things, though? We yeah. all have our, you know, opinions. Yeah, I, I do. I do like to compare things to other things. Mm-hmm. Like the other day, a friend of mine let me drive their car, and I was very drunk, and I crashed it into a retaining wall. Okay. Uh, and it turned out their daughter was in the backseat, mm-hmm. and they got very angry about the fact that their car and their daughter are both no longer with us. Mm-hmm. But, but 
compared to the Holocaust. <laughs> not, not that bad. Oh, not I was, that bad. I was about to get disgusted bad. with you, but yeah. now I but think you're good. But now that you good. say that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's a, compared that's a, to the Dresden air raids, I'm responsible. That's a really good way out of things. Mm-hmm. I am going to use that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Officer, I know it looks bad, what I'm doing here with all this acid and all these firearms. But have you considered comparing it to the Tet Offensive? <laughs> Not nearly as bad as the Tet Offensive, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Might I cite serial murderers? <laughs> In a C-SPAN interview with Brian Lamb, uh, Pat Buchanan would later recall, Well, my father was very much an autocratic, very autocratic. As I mentioned right from the beginning on an earlier book, his three political heroes were Joe McCarthy, General MacArthur, and General Francisco Franco of Spain, Uh, the Catholic who finished off a communist. He later wrote in his book right from the beginning that he adopted his father's heroes as his own, seeing them as men who were fighters, men who raged war relentlessly against the true enemy. Funny thing to value. Mm. Waging mm. war relentlessly the true against enemy. the true enemy. The true enemy. And it's interesting to me the different the different bits of that sentence that you both picked up on. Yeah, that mm. really speaks to the differences in your personality. It does, doesn't compelling. it? Compelling, yeah. Mm. And our whole dynamic. Interesting, mm-hmm. interesting, mm. interesting. Everybody's learning a lot. <laughs> and <laughs> now I'm feeling judged. <laughs> We're also all getting a lot of use out of uh, mm, this, this voice. Kind of uh, way to approach mm-hmm. uh, discourse. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Mm. Fun voice. Maybe make makes a point by not actually saying anything. Yeah, you know? just by but inflection. But again, I just... have to do it. Don't <laughs> right. yes, of course you do. You've got to Holmes it. <laughs> Pat was raised as a Catholic pre-Vatican II, which means he grew up with that old-time religion, elaborate Baroque ceremonies conducted entirely in ecclesiastic Latin. One gets the feeling from other things he wrote that he wishes the church had stayed that way. Buchanan graduated college with a degree in journalism and started his working career as an editorial writer with the St. Louis Globe Democrat. He wrote the vociferously against trade with communist Cuba, and in 1964 became a supporter of arch-conservative Barry Goldwater, the man who is the reason psychiatrists are not allowed to weigh in on the mental health of presidential candidates. Yeah. In 1966, he was hired as an opposition researcher for the Nixon campaign. He gained the nickname Mr. Inside for dropping numerous Easter eggs into Nixon speeches aimed at very far-right stalwarts in the party. He was also a big advocate that conservatives should aim to be anti-establishment as a way to gain votes. He coined the term silent majority during a speech he helped write for Nixon to address hundreds of thousands of anti-Vietnam protesters in October of 1969. Yeah, very really? impressed by that. Yeah, I am very impressed yeah. by that. Good Sound for him, majority. coining phrases that we all. Yeah. He's been yeah. that degree to work. Look at that. It's a good phrase. Who yeah. wouldn't want to be part of a silent majority? Who wouldn't want to be a part of a silent Two majority? Two things I love: mm-hmm. silence mm-hmm. and majorities. Yes, put them together. <laughs> put them together. You got a movement. You got a. You, you got a movement. <laughs> That's very quiet. A very quiet movement. Like Why? There's a ninja joke in there somewhere, but I didn't mm. come up with it fast enough. So somebody right. out there will work it out. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it. You got it. Tweet it. Tweet us your yeah. ninja jokes. Your ninja joke about the silent majority. Mm. Yeah. As an aide in the Nixon White House, Pat Buchanan was a constant voice against racial integration. Mm. God. <laughs> yeah. The true enemy. The true enemy. <laughs> yes. Well, he was talking about the true enemy. According to the New Republic. In Right from the Beginning, which is a Pat Buchanan book, Buchanan describes how in the early 1960s he wrote editorials slamming the civil rights movement based on documents provided by the FBI. Buchanan also argues that the segregated Washington he grew up in, where blacks were disenfranchised, was a better and more humane city than what it later became. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hearing, hearing a lot about that these days, too. Yeah, mm. about the humaneness of 
human beings being forced to use different water fountains? Yeah. yeah. How um, the communities and society was better because of segregation and actually mm-hmm. integrating um, caused uh, more problems than uh, it addressed and solved. I wonder if any of the people making that argument have ulterior motives. I wonder. I don't. I, I know they do. <laughs> it sounds like something based purely in fact in science mm-hmm. and you it does. Know, it studies. Does. Now, among other things, Pat Buchanan suggested his boss, the president, read an article in The Atlantic by Richard Herrnstein, a co-author of a little book you might have heard of called The Bell Curve. Mm. No, not the bell jar. Don't mistake the two. I do not. (laughs) I I do like to think of Nixon reading Sylvia Plath and having himself a good cry. (laughs) That's kind of fun to think about. Oh, God, I hope he did. Single tear. (laughs) (laughs) This book made me cry. Buchanan wrote in a memo to the president, basically, Herrnstein's article demonstrates that heredity rather than environment determines intelligence and that the more we proceed to provide everyone with a good environment, surely the more heredity will become the dominant factor in their intelligence and thus in their success and social standing. It is almost the iron law of intelligence that is being propounded here. Based on heredity, the importance of this article is difficult to understate. If correct, then all our efforts and expenditures, not only for compensatory education, but to provide an equal chance at the starting line, are guaranteeing that we wind up with the intelligent ones coming in first. And every study we have shows blacks 15 IQ points below whites on the average. Pat Buchanan. Okay. 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 Is that part of why Nixon started the EPA? Oh, geez. No, I don't think so. Okay. I don't think so. I don't think that's what they're talking I think when they talk about environment, they're talking about, like, um, the, the quality of the school. Oh, yeah. No, right. I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it's it, there's, like, mm. Mm. If that's why Nixon created the EPA, that would be a actually shockingly progressive way to look right. at racist science. Mm-hmm. Like, right. Like, like, well, then we need to get the toxins out of the Right. Bed. We got to like, make that, sure that, yeah. That would be a weird loop for right. Nixon to, yeah. I don't think that's the case, though, I but I, I don't know anything about the founding of the EPA. Yeah. I don't want to, ex- like. Only part of it was it. Uh, that, like, they were upset with, like, the liberal consensus that, like, yeah, it, it doesn't matter. It's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll have to talk about that at a time yeah, when we know what the fuck we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> Unlike Fair. certain professor doctors who mm. just love talking <laughs> about things they know about. See, last episode. See, right, mm. previous episode. And people calling themselves neuroscientists. And evolutionary biologists. Mm-hmm. When they're clinical <laughs> psychologists. Now, uh, so, yeah, you, know, as you might have guessed, uh, Pat Buchanan had some attitudes towards the intelligence of black people. Seems like it. Seems Sounds like, like it. it, yeah. His views on gay people were no more charitable. He believed homosexuality led inevitably to the decay of society. Yep. In 1977, he wrote this. Homosexuality, then, is not some civil right. In a healthy society, it will be contained, segregated, controlled, and stigmatized, carrying both a legal and social sanction. Strong words, Pat. P. Buke. P. Buck. Let's put them in camps. Um, I mean, this is all proto now, <laughs> everything you say. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pat Buchanan is proto now. Mm. That's a, that's a good way to look at this guy. Sounds like career. a Star Wars name. Mm. Mm. It does sound like a Star Wars name. It does. Proto now. Proto now. Mm-hmm. After Nixon resigned in 1974 for reasons that nobody uh, knows anything about, uh, Buchanan took up a post as a special advisor to Gerald Ford. He continued to write prolific opinion columns and make his voice heard within national politics. Here's a quote from another piece he wrote in 1977. Though Hitler was indeed racist and anti-Semitic to the core. (laughs) Though Hitler. Though Hitler. You know it's not going to go anywhere again. It's only because he was a globalist. Yeah, well, 
Not quite. Not yet. Yeah. Though Hitler was indeed racist and anti-Semitic to the core, a man who without compunction would commit murder and genocide. He was also an individual of great courage, a soldier soldier, a political organizer of the first rank, a leader steeped in the history of Europe who possessed oratorical policy, uh, powers that could awe even those who despised him. Vomit. What's the, a, what's the point? Like, what is what? Why is that worth? Like, it's like yeah, he man. He's a rapist, he a but he cooks a good steak. Right, you like, gotta right. give him that. Like, like, no, yeah. I don't got to give him anything. No, it's he, because he doesn't. He, he's like, I understand that he was racist and anti-Semitic. I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like he's racist. Good... He's like a monster, and he did a lot of horrendous things. But at least he was able to rile everybody up. Mm-hmm. Like he was a good soldier, like all the other good soldiers who didn't grow up to be Hitler. My God, <laughs> he was all of those things. But he was a real man because he ra- waged a relentless war mm-hmm. against the enemy. Adolf Hitler, the, uh, the only good speaker. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, why do you need to, like, we all know Hitler was, like, it's one thing to say, like, Hitler was a soldier who performed adequately in combat. Hitler was a rousing speaker. It's another thing to, like, frame it this way where you're like, look, we all talk about the bad parts of Hitler, but let's give the guy some credit. It's like he's saying, like, if this were a different era, he could be one of my heroes. Yeah. Right. It's taking these, like, statements that you can make and turning them into compliments. Right. Like, why, why do you need... To, why do you feel compelled to compliment you, Hitler? You can observe <laughs> the reality without making it a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. It just, it feels like, uh, yeah, it feels like it's a guy he admires, yeah. but the Holocaust happened. Right. So he has to acknowledge <laughs> that there were those things that he actually doesn't mm-hmm. really care about. I mean, this is a, and this is a phrase and uh, viewpoint you see sort of spread out a lot now these days of like the idea that uh, Hitler was good and right up until... Like 1933. Yeah, yeah. There's know? always a point for the Hitler. Yes, folks. it's yeah. like, oh, he was good until this one date, and like mm-hmm. then it was all bad. So, well, is that? Is that? Mm-hmm. Is that? Maybe, maybe mm-hmm. the year you're talking about was like being led up to, and like maybe a lot of the things that happened, like sort of. It's just, it's just yeah. wild. And if you, if you actually have, if you, if you are someone with like an, an an actual intellectual curiosity, and when Hitler went bad, there's a good book called Explaining Hitler, with just like his baby picture is like the cover of the book. Ooh. The whole book is about like what the, what the fuck happened here, right, right. Um, oh, how do you get there? Yeah, that deals with all of the stuff that he's talking about yeah. without. That compliments pra- complimenting without, yeah. fucking Hitler. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I really recommend that book. Um, yeah, in the mid 1980s, Pat Buchanan became a television news commentator, working on a show called the Buchanan Braden Program, where he argued with a token liberal. It seems to have been the prototype of Fox's later hit show, Hannity and Combs. Yeah. Next, according to Blood and Politics by Leonard Zeskin, which another great fucking book. By the mid-1980s, he had started waving the banner that became the white nationalism's clarion call in the 21st century. Quote from Buchanan, The central objection to the present flood of illegals, he wrote in 1984, is that they are not English-speaking white people from Western Europe. They are Spanish-speaking brown and black people from Mexico, Latin America, and the Caribbean. Buchanan even explicitly posed the question of whether the United States would remain a white nation. Apparently, the descendants of Africans brought in chains, the mestizo population of the Southwest, and the Chinese laborers who built the railroads were either invisible to Buchanan's historical eye or not to be counted as natural citizens of the nation. He also exhibited a nervous disbelief in the charges leveled against those believed to be war criminals. At different times, he rose to defend Arthur Randolph, Carol Linnis, 
Kurt Waldheim, John Dimjanik, and others. Those were all SS guys who mm. went on trial. Mm. Yeah. In Dimjanik's case, Buchanan's skepticism of Justice Department actions ultimately proved justified on several key points of evidence. Buchanan challenged more than just the rules of evidence used in cases against war criminals, however. As an aide to President Reagan, he helped formulate a 1982 trip to the military graves at Bitburg, Germany. At Buchanan's be- uh, behest, Reagan mem- memorialized the Waffen-SS along with ordinary Wehrmacht soldiers, setting off international protests at the honoring of Hitler's henchmen. Buchanan added to the outrage when he claimed that Jews could not have been gassed by diesel engines at the Nazi concentration camp at Treblinka. He was soon publicly and widely accused of giving aid and comfort to those, like the Institute for Historical Review, that maintained the Holocaust didn't happen. Mm. So yeah, we got to some Holocaust denial here. Now, Buchanan's support for having the president visit Waffen-SS graves brought him into conflict with Elie Wiesel, a Holocaust survivor, author of Night, and chairman of the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Council. Now, Wiesel thought that it was a bad idea for the president to lay wreaths on the graves of war criminals. Hmm. This deeply pissed off Pat Buchanan. Other White House staffers report that he kept writing the phrase, succumbing to the pressure of the Jews, during oh. his in his notes during a meeting with Wiesel. Oh my God. And again, these are other Republicans being like, he kept writing over and over again about the Jews mm. in his meeting with this Holocaust survivor. Being so furious yeah. that he just has yeah. scribbled his like, note out. P- punching holes in his notebook every time yeah. he fucking dots a J. Yeah. Oh my gosh. A gross. Pat. Pat. Chill out. <laughs> fucking man. It's, it's Pat. It's Pat. It's Pat. It's Pat. Boy. So few of our listeners are going to get that joke. <laughs> you guys just have to go look up its past. You just got to watch, what, 20-some years of Saturday Night Live? Yeah. Yeah. Right, There's like, got to be some clip compilation. Don't worry. It's a reference from 35 years ago. <laughs> yeah. It was a funny joke when my dad was a kid. Yeah. yeah. It, it's before our time. Yeah. Let's not age ourselves. Mm. <clears throat> Making copies. <laughs> God. <laughs> Keep doing it. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, just on that note, I tried to show my little brother Wayne's World couple of years ago really uh hard to not a fan introduce the new generations to wayne's world yeah you kind of had to be there yeah i guess yeah makes sense speaking of you had to be there pat buchanan also started speaking about what he called a so-called holocaust survivor syndrome which according to him involved group fantasies of martyrdom and heroics Oh, my God. Yeah. Mm. Pat Buchanan, everybody. Buchanan's big break with the Republican Party would come in the early 1990s when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait and President George Bush I started beating the drums of war. Now, Buchanan was very much an isolationist. He sat down on the McLaughlin Report, then one of America's most influential political debate shows, and complained. There are only two groups that are beating the drums for war in the Middle East, the Israeli Defense Ministry and its Amen Corner in the United States. He later added that Israel was pushing America to expend the blood of its children in a proxy war. The Israelis want this war desperately because they want the United States to destroy the Iraqi war machine. They want us to finish them off. They don't care about our relations with the Arab world. Buchanan called Israel a strategic albatross draped across the neck of the United States. He specifically blamed New York Times editor A.M. Rosenthal, Assistant Secretary of Defense Richard Pearl, columnist Charles Krauthammer, and Henry Kissinger for promoting the Gulf War. You may note that all of those men are Jewish. Mm. Uh, you may also note that Pat Buchanan's list of people in pushing America towards war with Iraq did not include any Gentiles, like, say, George H.W. Mm, Bush. Good example. Good example the president right there. doing it. The mm. president doing it. Peculiar. Buchanan further complained in a column that Americans who would die in Iraq would be kids with names like McAllister, Murphy, oh. Gonzalez, and Leroy Brown. Wow. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah. I'm not kidding you. That's how he ended that sentence. That's how he ended that sentence. Leroy Brown. What? 
<laughs> and I, I want to state right here unequivocally that I reject the idea that Leroy Brown could possibly have been defeated by the Iraqi <laughs> army. Because in case you are not aware, he was the baddest man in the whole, in the damn, whole town. damn town. Madder than old King Kong and meaner than a junkyard dog. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's who you want that's, going that's to fight. That's who you want battle. going to fight. Yeah. Bad yeah. example, Pat. Pat. Thank goodness you said that. Jesus Christ. Like, McAllister, Murphy, Gonzalez, and Lee. That's <laughs> insane. Like, what the fuck, Pat? Jesus Christ. Oh, the baddest man in the whole dang town. The baddest man in the whole damn town. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> I do love Jim Cross. Um, <laughs> just picks, like, three last names and then... I, it's one of those things where, like, I should be angrier, but this is literally the third reference to Jim Crow songs that I've managed to work into one of my podcasts. And I'm very proud of how many times <laughs> really? I get to. You're yeah, on a roll. I am on a roll. Yeah, it just did the same song twice, and they're both fantastic. <laughs> both just amazing songs. Incredible, <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Anyway, Buchanan's refusal to hold ranks with his fellow Republicans deeply pissed off other conservatives. William F. Buckley, editor of the National Review, wrote an essay accusing Buchanan of anti-Semitism. But these charges did not bring an end to Buchanan's career or his political relevance. In fact, thanks to a little fella named David Duke, he was about to become more prominent and influential than ever before. Oh. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> and there comes David Duke. There he is. There he is. He just he ran shows up in there. Every, every time we're here. You guys need a racist? I'm God. David Duke. <laughs> Don't you worry about it. God. Sometimes I picture he, these as yeah. like little animated stories when you're telling it to me. And right then I was. And then he popped up like <laughs> he a little just cartoon. He pops version. right in. Uh, I love him so much. He looks like a lizard's ghost these days. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then I remember he was at fucking Charlottesville. And like, yeah. Oh, God damn it, David Duke. <laughs> like, maybe it's a sign you shouldn't be there. Yeah. David Duke shows up. <laughs> David Duke shows up. But you know who is good when they show up? The people who offer services and products. I was going to say that. Yep. Dang. That's what's good is the products and services mm-hmm. supporting the show. I got it. Right it's an ad we pivot. Won. I got it. Right. The ad pivot. I think mm-hmm. we all won with products yeah. and services this fine. We do all win. Products. L A S I K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Uh, that was great, though. That was great. I'm gonna, a nice break. I'm going to nice buy them. I'm going to buy it. You're going to buy it? I'm going to buy what it was. I hope it was something The thing good. that you, nope. yeah. it might you probably just talked a good about. chance it was dick pills right. or a Microsoft Surface tablet. Either way, fine products. Mm. I mean, I'd take a Microsoft Surface tablet. Oh, man. Surface Books, actually. Would I write all of the episodes of the show on? Great laptop. I have one. Yeah, they're, they're really, really good laptops. Yeah. 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 You have one? No, I'd like one. Oh, I'd you'd like good. one? Yeah. yeah. Anywho. Now, David Duke had become the Grand Master of the KKK in 1974. His chief innovation was merging new progressive elements of neo-Nazism with the old stodgy racist traditions and terrorist habits of the KKK. <laughs> He's an innovator, Cody. You gotta respect just, an innovator. Just the old ideas. You gotta, you gotta reinvigorate you know, them. This KKK, you got good bones. You got good bones. we just gotta do a little overhaul. I just imagine a truck full of Klansmen hitting like a panther tank. <laughs> you got Nazis in my Klansmen. You got Klansmen in my Nazis. This ain't your grandfather's KKK. <laughs> oh Christ! This is KKK, and then it's like XXX, like yeah, triple extreme yeah. KKK. Because that was necessary. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Duke gained moderate infamy for running a Klan border watch, uh, and when he left the KKK in 1980, he formed the National Association for the Advancement of White People. Which is. <laughs> I mean, if I don't know if you guys are paying attention, but in 1980, rough years rough, for white guys. Yeah, that was bad for white people. Yeah, it was a rough time. So I get it. Thank God we moved past those days. Yeah. In 1989, he was elected as a representative in the Louisiana House of Representatives, winning 51% to 49%. That's too much. That's too, too much. Many, too many. Yeah, see, so he got, uh, he got elected in Louisiana. Uh, according to the Daily Beast, quote, Duke touted himself as a pro-life fiscal conservative, was known as an ex-Klan leader. He eschewed overly racist land language and instead pointed to crime in the city, criticizing affirmative action and minority set-asides. See, by ixnaying on the racism, just a little bit, not even a lot, just a, just, a, just a skoosh, and emphasizing crime and focusing on his desire to shut down welfare and stop affirmative action, Duke was able to build a surprisingly strong coalition of voters for a guy who had literally marched in public wearing a Nazi uniform. Good for him. Good for him. Duke continued to run for numerous positions during the late 1980s, including the U.S. Senate and the presidency. He ran in 1992 as well, opposing President George H.W. Bush from the right as an isolationist, hammering him on taxation and on the Gulf War. Since he'd won hundreds of thousands of votes in Louisiana, he was considered a real threat to Bush's chances, since he was running as a member of the Populist Party and wouldn't need to drop out after primary season. Now, Duke's campaign faltered, thankfully, as soon as he left Louisiana, due to his inability to use the Republican Party staff members to aid his campaign that he'd used in Louisiana, and also due to the fact that Americans outside of Louisiana were less tolerant of a neo-Nazi presidential candidate. To try and woo them, Duke focused on an American-first isolationist policy, urging withdrawal from NAFTA, protective tariffs, and an attack on multiculturalism and immigrant rights. There it is. Mm -hmm. There it is. And, of course, watching from the sidelines was our little buddy. Pat Buchanan. Pat! Pat, you're back. Pat, you're back. Now, he saw what Duke had managed to build, despite the handicap of being a literal Nazi, and realized, shit, if I dress this up, I can, like, 
I can take this lady out on the town. Yeah, I can take it a step yeah, further. Yeah, yeah good, I can. Good luck, Pat. Yeah, good luck. Yeah. Good luck, Pat. I think he's going like, to dress do really yourself well. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. go out. Yeah. yeah. Several weeks before Pat announced his own entrance to the campaign, he gave this advice to Republicans. The way to do battle with David Duke is not to go ballistic because Duke, as a teenager, paraded around in a Nazi costume to protest William Kunstler during Vietnam or to shout to the heavens that Duke had the same phone number last year as the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> Everybody in Medary knows that. The way to deal with Mr. Duke is the way the GOP dealt with the far more formidable challenge of George Wallace. Take a hard look at Duke's portfolio of winning issues and expropriate those not in conflict with GOP principles. Yep. That's how you beat the literal fascist is take some ideas from if him. If you can't, etc. Steal d- his d- ideas. D- d- do it. Do what they say. <laughs> now, during the Cold War, America's conservatives had literally been the opposite of isolationists, urging intervention all over the damn world in order to fight communism and make the world safe for, say, fruit companies. <laughs> After the fall of the USSR, the Republicans found themselves lashed briefly by chaos, unsure of where to swing next. Buchanan essentially charted a new course for the American right, isolationism. He wrote, In shaping post-Cold War foreign policy, the contest will be between acolytes of globalism and advocates of a new nationalism. America first. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we're all snapping, but Can it feels right. I don't either, but it feels right. It feels right. I love the things we do for this audio medium in which we work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to keep it. Got to keep it snappy. You haven't thrown yeah. anything yet today. I have not. Well, no, I did. I, I, I in the last I, I one. knocked the bottle yeah. across the thing. You're right. You're T- right. Today You're right. being right. whatever right. day right. this airs. So I'm going to take a quick break, and I've got I've got a, a, a closed and mostly empty bottle of a uh-huh. of Kirkland brand purified water, here. and I have my rusty machete, mm-hmm. uh, which I made sure was rusty before yeah. I brought. Not of course, trusty, yeah. rusty. Yeah. Trusty. Well, it is trusty and rusty, and I'm going to see if I can hit those lights on the roof. Nope. Mm. But that was a line drive. I did get, it did go a lot further. Farther than the can. Farther than the can. It's because so there was a little water in it. Still water in it, water yeah. In it yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So America first, cool. America first, cool. Very cool. Disagree, but go on. Yeah. <laughs> now, the populist party embraced Buchanan with even more vigor and hope than they'd embraced David Duke. There was widespread fantasy among populists that Buchanan would leave the Republican Party and join them. For reference, the populist party was founded by a fellow named Willis Carto. You guys ever heard of Willis Carto? No. So, we're talking about fascists. Mm. Talking about the fascist movement. There's two two branches of it. Two big old big old briggy branches mm-hmm. of it. Now you got your vanguardists. And those are the mm-hmm. guys who want to go all. Those are the the guys who want to go all Turner Dyers. Who are like, yeah. well, what if we just kill people until society collapses and then take over in an orgy of blood and violence? And then you got your mainstreamers. And those are the people who are like, what if we just convince all white people that being a Nazi is the way to go? Willis Carto was uh, one of the convince all of the white people that being a Nazi is okay. the way to go mm-hmm. sort of dudes. Uh, now, Carto was also the founder of a magazine called The Spotlight, which became America's Holocaust denial paper of record. Uh, and also its editor was a regular guest on Alex Jones' show during his early days. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Big Jim Tucker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah, Not it, surprising. Yeah. What? <laughs> Go on. According to Blood and Politics, quote, the populists argued that a realignment of the right was taking place via a melding of populism and national conservatism into a powerful new force. On this point, the populists proved to be essentially correct in their analysis. Among conservatives, Buchanan's opposition to Bush's war plans and the New World Order was not unique. 
The significance of Buchanan's transformation should not be lost in the minutia of petty party politics. He still did not fully embrace a biological determinist view of society, but without any evident intervention by white supremacists, Pat Buchanan was talking and walking much as they did. In Republican ranks, Pat Buchanan formally announced his candidacy for president, reclaiming the party's right flank for his own anti-New World Order politics. Just weeks before, Buchanan had urged Republicans to adopt Duke's issues. Buchanan believed Duke's message was middle class, meritocratic, populist, and nationalist. Mm. So which election was this? 93, 92. you said? 92. Yeah. Yeah. The election that brought us Bill Clinton. So, okay. Yeah. So. Buchanan did well enough to get on the ballot in most American states, and he ran a solid primary campaign. Voters abandoned David Duke in droves to flock to a guy who was basically him, but without the baggage of all the swastikas he'd worn. Uh, Buchanan drew in America's fascist right while also pulling in disaffected middle Americans by visiting factories and small-town diners in forgotten parts of the country. On February 18th, Buchanan won 37% of the New Hampshire primary, losing to Bush but doing well enough to continue his campaign. Now, David Duke quit the presidential race in April after running out of money and failing to win more than 11% in any state, Mississippi, if you're curious. In the wake of this failure, Willis Carto's spotlight noted that the center of gravity of the white nationalist movement had shifted towards Pat Buchanan. Any hope Duke had of mounting an effective challenge to George Bush ended with the entrance of Buchanan into the Republican race. Duke endorsed Pat after he withdrew, and Buchanan made the wise move of ignoring this, although, like another Republican a while later, he did not repudiate his endorsement either. He won 36% of the vote in Georgia and 32% in Florida. Buchanan's national support peaked in the low 20s, but began to subside in the early summer. By the end of the primaries, he'd accrued nearly 3 million votes in 34 states and raised more than $14 million. He did not win the primary, clearly, but Carto and his fellow fascists saw Buchanan's campaign as a major win. One spotlight op-ed crooned, Buchanan is saying, practically to a word, what the spotlight has been saying on the big issues for many years. Another thing the spotlight's famous for is being the Holocaust denial paper of record of the United States. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. The big issues. The big issues. Uh, of the true enemy. Yeah, the true enemy. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Like uh, multiculturalism. I Also, mm-hmm. uh, the David Duke... Um, isn't Steve Scalise describe himself as David Duke without the baggage? Jesus Christ, did he? I'm pretty sure he did. Oh, fucking Christ. Uh, that, That's a nice pitch. That uh, phrase really stuck out to me when you said it. Uh, I don't Exactly know. the same, but people don't know that about me yet. Mm-hmm. Exactly the same, but I don't own a swastika that you know of. There are no pictures of me that I'm aware of that have me with a swastika Christ. or a hood. I don't know. I don't know much about Steve Scalise at all. Um, but I do know a lot about Pat <laughs> Oh, good. I love mm-hmm. Pat. Now... As Buchanan's popularity became clearer and clearer, resistance from within the Republican Party lessened, and there was a growing consensus that he spoke for a large chunk of the conservative electorate. One of Buchanan's chief thinkers was a dude named Sam Francis, who got his start writing briefing papers for the Heritage Foundation. In the 1980s, he'd started writing for the Washington Times, which was basically a right-wing Washington Post, Mm -hmm. according to Blood and Politics. It was Francis's prodigious intellect that propelled the Buchanan brain trust, and at the vortex of this intellect swirled his conception of middle American radicals. When Francis had written that Buchanan's middle American radicals represented new social forces, he didn't mean new as in born yesterday. In fact, he had said much the same thing in 1981. By his account, middle American radicals, or Mars, were the social constituency of what was then known as the new right. At that time, Francis argued that middle American radicals had expressed themselves in a string of movements throughout the 1970s. 
against school busing for racial integration, against the Equal Rights Amendment, against the ceding of the Panama Canal, and then finally in electing Ronald Reagan president. Mars were both a social movement and a class, not simply a middle class and not simply an economic category, but in the broadest sense, a political class. Francis declared that the Buchanan Revolution as the emergence of a new political identity that he believed would come to dominate right-wing politics in the future. Margins, as he called them, were anti-elite, opposed to black civil rights improvements, and, in his words, caught in the middle between those whose wealth gives them access to power and those whose militant organization gains special treatment from the government. See what we're building here? Mm. Sound like anything that comes later? It doesn't sound... New necessarily, mm-hmm. yeah, <clears throat> yeah. It's ringing some bells. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit. At the 1992 Republican Party convention, President Bush bowed to the influence of Pat Buchanan by giving him a primetime speaking spot right before Ronald Reagan. In his speech, Buchanan stated that a culture war within America had replaced the Cold War. My friends, this election is about much more than who gets what. It is about who we are. It is about what we believe. It is about what we stand for as Americans. There is a religious war going on in our country for the soul of America. It is a cultural war as critical to the kind of nation we will one day become as was the Cold War itself. Yeah. Yeah? Cool. Yeah, it is sounding familiar. It is sounding a little familiar. I can't wait. Didn't he say that he paved the way for Donald Trump or something like that? He sure did. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he sure did. He also sure did. He also sure, <laughs> he also did. sure did. Not He's not wrong about that. In 1996, Pat Buchanan ran as a Republican again, this time aimed at unseating Clinton rather than a sitting Republican president. His popularity was immediately shocking to the Republican Party leadership. Buchanan won the New Hampshire primary handily by focusing on his desire to stop foreign workers from entering the United States to undercut American salaries. Buchanan won the highest percentage of New Hampshire voters concerned about jobs in the economy. 60% of his voters described themselves as very conservative and part of the religious right. After Super Tuesday, a poll revealed that 54% of those who considered abortion their most important issue voted for Buchanan, along with 46% of those most who were most concerned with the immigration. Now, Willis Carto's Liberty Lobby, which was basically a pack for racists, and his newsletter, The Spotlight, endorsed Buchanan officially this time. In their Republican Voters Guide, they noted that the wealthy and powerful American Jewish community, popularly known as the Jewish Lobby or the Israeli Lobby, does not like Pat Buchanan, and claimed his victory would constitute the greatest political revolution in history. Okay. So, would have marked a... Pretty fucked up political revolution. I, 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 I take issue with the word greatest. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, not exactly the language I'd use. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Buchanan also earned the support of a group called the Council of Conservative Citizens. You ever heard about those guys? No. Well, they're a very far-right lobbying group. They have yeah. a website that hosts uh, articles, news articles, uh, and including, it's, it's still around this day, and uh, one of the very popular articles types of articles that they like to host uh, focus on what they call black-on-white crime. Yes. And the Council of Conservative Citizens, interestingly enough, is the website that was cited by Dylan Roof in his manifesto as the thing that radicalized him into shooting up a black church in Charleston. There we go. Interesting. Cool. How these people read things Mm -hmm. and get radicalized. Yeah, that is interesting. the sort of... Nifty. Hyper-focused topics that these people choose to write about. Uh, didn't at one point Breitbart have a black crime sure tab? Did. Sure they got did. rid of it. Sure did yeah. have a black cool. crime tab. They got rid of it after all of the uh, shootings. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. 
Now, Buchanan also teamed up with Pat Robertson's Christian Coalition. With all these far-right voters together, Pat was not able to beat Bob Dole, but he was able to force Dole and the Republican Party to harden their anti-abortion stances and add anti-immigrant planks to the platform demanding a change to the 14th mm-hmm. Amendment. Bob Dole ceded on these issues, but refused to let Pat have a good speaking slot at the 1996 convention. So Brave. Brave of you, Bob. Way to stick it to him. Thanks, Way Bob. Stick it to the... Probable Nazi. Yeah. Speaking of dick pills. Speaking of dick mm. pills. Uh, yeah, Bob mm. Dole and me, mm-hmm. both mm. trailblazers. Mm. Buchanan's eventual caving to the Republican Party bummed out the white nationalists who had helped lead him to prominence. <laughs> oh, no, they're bummed. Yeah, alas. <laughs> they had ex- he let him down. He let his constituents down. I they love had- just the idea of, like, bummed out white nationalists. Yeah. Oh. You hear the Snoopy music. <laughs> yeah, just, like, moping, kicking rocks in their clan uniforms. Oh, yeah, cool, mm-hmm. good. Oh, shucks. Yeah. Uh, They'd expected and urged him to walk out of the convention rather than yield to the mainstream, free-trade-loving, non-concentration camp-supporting moderates of the Republican Party. (laughs) One Ohio Klansman ruefully lamented, In the history of presidential politics, 1996 will go down as the year that Pat Buchanan cast away the political opportunity of a lifetime. He raised and spent some $30 Yet what is there, in the end, to show for all this? 1996 would prove to be the high watermark of Pat's presidential ambitions, but it would not be his last major effort to secure the presidency. He ran again in the year 2000, and this time he didn't run as a Republican. Mm. Now, younger listeners who haven't spent a lot of time watching old episodes of The Simpsons may not remember a fun little tyke named Ross Perot, Mm -hmm. Uh, but the rest of us do. Oh, Ross Perot. He is a... uh, preposterously rich, very, very tiny man, who once owned a large chunk of the city of Dallas and a small mercenary army. He ran for president, and according to Republican lore, he cost George H.W. Bush his re-election. Now, Perot ran as part of the Reform Party, which, you know, he founded. Yeah, the Reform Party. Yeah. And he did well enough to qualify for federal funding in the 2000 general election. However, Ross Perot decided not to run in 2000, so suddenly there was an opening for anybody who might want to take up his mantle. Pat Buchanan saw this as an opportunity. He decided to use his good name and prominence in national politics to try and get the job. At a convention in Greenbelt, Maryland, Buchanan told 150 people about his plan to use the Reform Party to break up the two-party monopoly. He promised them, if he was elected, at that very moment, their new world order comes crashing down. By mentioning the NWO, Buchanan was directly playing towards the militia crowd, people like Tim McVeigh the Oklahoma City bomber, who believed in a secret international conspiracy that was in the process of taking over the world. The New World Order was also frequently called the Jew World Order. And although Pat never said those words, you can kind of assume they were at the Yeah, you can. He felt them. He felt those words. he felt them. Yeah. During the Greenbelt Reform Party meeting, Buchanan posed for a photograph with a representative from Willis Carto's Liberty Lobby, who tried to hand him the latest issue of Spotlight. Buchanan told him, allegedly, I've already read it. I've got a copy at my house. <laughs> Yikes! Yikes! Ooh. Oh, uh, Pat. that one hurt. Yeah, oh, that's mm. bad look. In order to press his candidacy, uh, Pat Buchanan did what all good wannabe presidents do. He wrote a book, a republic, not an empire. Mm. And we're going to talk about that book in a little bit. But first, products and services. You got it. You got nailed it. it. You got Yay. it. Way Wait, faster. Win. All right, let's get you on Jeopardy, and let's get these products. Only if it's. Only topics up, products and products services. Products and services. Just products, and then the answers are all services. Yeah, you'd run the board. Products for 500. Mm-hmm. Services. That's just I printing money. What is services? What, what is are services? services? Oh, I'd lose. Mm-hmm. Speaking of printing money. Ads. L-A-S-I-K. 
LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. We're back. Ah, oh, hang uh, on. Woo. Did you miss us? I missed us. I know, me too. Me too. Now, when we left, I was talking about uh, the book that Pat Buchanan wrote to uh, yeah. to, uh, to mm? kick off his yeah, 2000 so campaign. A Republic, Not an Empire. Mm. Yeah. Now, A Republic, Not an Empire was published by a publishing house you may not have heard of called Regnery Publishing. Does that name sound familiar? Ragnary? Ragnary. It does not. No. Ragnary Publishing. Well, you guys have heard it once before, but I don't I'm not surprised that you don't you don't recognize it? it. When we um we did an episode <laughs> earlier about the history of the American fascist movement back yeah. in the twenties and thirties. And we talked about a dude named William Ragnary Senior, who yes. was one of the chief financial backers of the America First movement, yes. a fascist political campaign in the nineteen thirties aimed at aligning the United States with Nazi Germany. His son runs Rignary Publishing, okay. and would later go on to fund the National Policy Institute, which, of course, yeah, is where Richard Spencer came to work. There oh, yeah, we go. I love it's all so connected. Yeah. Oh, I love it, too. Oh, it's good so, stuff. I, a little spider web. Uh, not to be contrarian, I hate it. Yeah. I, it, it, <laughs> it's, it's gross. It bums me out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, according to the New York Times review of Buchanan's book, Mr. Buchanan's thesis that Hitler offered no physical threat to the United States as of the late 1940s in the book A Republic, Not an Empire, Mr. Buchanan analyzes the history of American foreign policy and questions whether Hitler sought war with the West or was driven to it. Hitler made no overt move to threaten U.S. vital interests after his initial victories across Europe in 1939 and 1940, Mr. Buchanan writes. In a separate chapter, criticizing the power of numerous American ethnic groups over foreign policy, Mr. Buchanan writes, after World War II, Jewish influence over foreign policy became became almost an obsession with American leaders. Yeah, Pat. Other people are obsessed. Yeah. God. At one point in the book, Pat writes this. Had Britain and France not given the war guarantees to Poland, there might have been no Dunkirk, no Blitz, no Vichy, no destruction of the Jewish populations of Europe. What? <laughs> if, if we just let Hitler invade Poland unchecked, 
then there would have been no been... Holocaust, except for the Jews that they instantly started killing as soon as yeah. they moved into Poland. Um, Do you think that the Holocaust happened because Hitler was what? mad about yeah, think, the Poland? Like what? what? He's like now I'm going to blame. Excuse me. Kill all the Jews. I think he thinks of like Hitler committing the Holocaust as like uh, as like a guy hitting his car because it breaks down on him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Come on. Come on. Come yeah. on. Come I, on. Think, <laughs> I think the other real thing is that he's okay with the killing the Jews. He's, he's it's not a big he, thing. He's like, I mean, yeah. Also, why it's do people care? It's not his preference. He would he would have wished they'd have gotten moved to maybe Madagascar. Yeah. Like right. That. It's but, the movement. You move. But only because it looks bad. But only because of, yeah. Check out yeah. their platform in 1933, Pat. Yeah. Tell me what you think. <laughs> Buchanan's campaign took off like wildfire among fringe political circles, only stymied slightly by the fact that one of his fundraisers, a British national named Mark Cotterill, was building a network of Buchanan supporters that included members of the National Alliance, an explicitly neo-Nazi group funded by George Lincoln Rockwell disciple William Pierce, <laughs> author of the Turner Diaries. Stop it! Stop! <laughs> like, what the fuck? Oh, it's painful! Oh, you just can't keep these Nazis off of him? Uh, oh, all these, oh, I go, why are all these Nazis yeah, covered in Nazis. Covered in Nazis. It's that uh, it's that Onion article. Uh, why are all these homosexuals sucking my cock? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, Pat. Oh, Pat. Jesus Christ. Now, Pat Buchanan's uh, I think wife, who ran his campaign, fired Mark along with twenty other volunteers, which was meant to prove that the campaign was completely intolerant of racists and fascists. But the fact that there were more than twenty of them to fire kind of belies that. Oh point. man. <laughs> <laughs> Pat. Now, Buchanan picked it as running mate as his running mate, Azola Foster, a 62-year-old black woman anti-immigrant activist. She became a Republican during the Reagan era and joined the John Birch Society in the mid-1990s. Azola was an, an outspoken advocate of the Confederate flag, which she considered a symbol of heritage, saying, huh? the war was more about states' rights than anything else. During her acceptance speech, she promised voters, if anybody knows a racist, I do. Pat Buchanan ain't no racist. <laughs> Oh, girl! <laughs> if anyone of all of all the people, like the ra- the ju- uh, I I know a racist. I know a racist. Oh, oh. Mm. fun times! Pat Buchanan himself promised to redefine what it means to be a conservative in America. And it's likely that his promises caused serious worry for George W. Bush and crew. Remember, these folks already accepted as given that Perot's Reform Party candidacy cost their last Bush an election. They were not about to let that happen again. Enter Dr. Stone and a quirky little fella named Donald Trump. There it is. Yeah! Uh, yes. As soon as you're, t- like, the Reform Party is like, yeah. we gotta talk we about We gotta it. talk about <laughs> Donald Trump. According to NBC News, Trump, too, was against NAFTA and spoke of global trade deals as a drain on American jobs, and he was for a strict immigration policy. We have to take care of the people who are here, he said. But he drew a bright line when it came to Buchanan's tone. He seems to be a racist and accused him of cultivating support from the bigoted fringes. On slow days, Trump wrote in an op-ed, he attacks gays, immigrants, welfare recipients, even Zulus. When cornered, he says he's misunderstood. On a trip to California, between a meeting with reform activists, a paid speech, and a taping of The Tonight Show with Jay Leno, Trump visited the Simon Wiesenthal Centers for Museum, Center's Museum of Tolerance, which sought to shine a light on racism and injustice around the world. After his tour, Trump told reporters that Buchanan should come here and have a talk with Rabbi Cooper and his staff and talk things out a bit. He added, we must recognize bigotry and prejudice and defeat it wherever it appears. Where'd that guy go? I hate him so much. <laughs> He's such a piece of shit. What a fucking, what a, what a, what oh a, God, what a piece Absolutely. 
opportunistic piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, nothing means anything to him. Nope. He, also, like, the idea of, like, oh, yeah, Pat Buchanan went to the Museum of Tolerance is, like, he's good now. Oh, no, no, this is Donald Trump. This is Donald no, Trump. I know, yeah, but yeah, I'm saying, yeah. like, he's, like, oh, yeah, like, I think he, I think Pat should come here. Yeah, oh, and, like, yeah, yeah. The idea that, yeah. like, a visit would, would solve Pat Buchanan. Yeah, yeah. Like, Going to, rather than him just, like, kind of like trying to hide his his crotch from view as he like walks through the concentration right, camp right. photos because he's a fucking Nazi. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was clear. Now, uh, when questioned about Pat Buchanan's Hitler wasn't all that bad book, Donald Trump <clears throat> said this. Pat says Hitler had no malicious intent towards the United States. Hitler killed six million Jews and millions of others. Don't you think it was only a question of time before he got to us? He tackled Europe first and we were next. Pat's amazing. When asked whether he had read the book, Mr. Trump stated, I've seen the phrases we're dealing with. <laughs> Classic. Oh, that is it. I've seen the phrases. I've seen the phrases. Oh, seen the phrases. Where I had to include that line as it's soon as perfect. I read it. That's yeah. the that's uh ooh, that is Trump that's Trump classic right yeah. there. Yeah, that's really, really Trump <laughs> I've classic. I've seen the phrases. I've we're... seen the phrases we're dealing with. Uh, Trump's camp. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's just like the fra- like we have seen the phrases we're dealing with. Yep. What we're dealing with is such a weird like he talks so weird. He talks very weird. He doesn't understand words. Mm. Or he does. He, or he does. Or he does. Yeah. On a very masterful level. Mm. Yeah. Who knows? Not me. Trump's campaign was able to take a significant amount of wind out of Pat Buchanan's sails, but it was not enough to stop Pat Buchanan's Reform Party candidacy. Buchanan made his way onto the ballot in several states, including Florida. In Palm Beach County, a liberal stronghold, he received 3,407 votes on first count. Local Reform Party officials realized at once that this count was completely bogus. Buchanan himself in an interview stated that only three to 400 of those votes were really his, and the rest were misreads. He told an interviewer, the rest, I am sure, were Gore votes. Florida Secretary of State and Bush campaign co-chair decided that recounts were not necessary. The Democrats challenged this, and the issue was taken to the courts, leading to a final Supreme Court decision to end the recounts. The 3,000 votes Buchanan himself believed were for Al Gore went to him instead. This left Bush ahead in Florida by 500 votes. Unbelievable. So that's cool. That's... I think we differ on that. I think we differ. Yeah. Cool. Maybe, 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 I don't know. But he means like, cold, like ice cold. Ice cold. Ah, ice cold. Ice cold. Mm. Ice, ice, ice cold. Baby. Frozen. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a dark. Yeah, that's a dark path to think about. <laughs> yeah. Too much. In a recent Politico article on his life, Pat Buchanan was branded the Forrest Gump of politics, oh. a name which would be apt if Forrest Gump had a balls-deep history of anti-Semitism and <laughs> cavorting with Nazis. But still, you can't deny that there's something to the idea. For every major swing American politics has taken in my lifetime, at least, Pat Buchanan has been there to make sure things break just a little bit worse than they otherwise yeah. would have. This pattern has continued into the Trump era. In January of 2019, USA Today published an article titled, Trump quotes Pat Buchanan. Full fucking circle. Last week, Buchanan wrote an article that implored Trump to declare a national emergency on the southern border because mass migration from the global south, not climate change, is the real existential crisis of the West. Trump has publicly considered such a declaration as a way to go around Congress in order to secure funding for a wall on the U.S.-Mexico border. On Sunday, the president quoted a portion of Buchanan's post in a pair of tweets. The first said, The Trump portrait of an unsustainable border crisis is dead on, and then listed a number of immigration-related crime statistics. Buchanan did not cite the source of the data, but the context indicated it was from the Trump administration. The southern border, quote, is eventually going to be militarized and defended, or the United States as we have known it is going to cease to exist, and Americans will not go gentle into that good night. The second tweet quoted. 
Now, this is interesting to me for mm-hmm. a reason I'm about to detail. <laughs> Buchanan's words, which were quoted by the president, are particularly fascinating in light of the Christchurch shooting that would occur roughly two months later. The shooter's manifesto, titled The Great Replacement, focused around his belief that the white race was being exterminated through immigration from non-white people into majority white nations. The shooter ended his manifesto by citing the same Dylan Thomas poem that Pat quoted, expressing his desire that the white race not go gentle into that good night before pumping rounds into dozens and dozens of men, women, and children. Seems like you got cool. it from Pat. Thank you, Pat. Thank, Thank you, Pat. Pat. And that's Pat. That's Pat. That was um, Pat. That was Pat. N- not Pat, what I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. But talking about Al Gore, I always think, God, if he'd won, we'd be so good on climate change right now. We'd be, so, we'd have some, we would have like, to, we would have to made such modest and minor changes. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing, like, for I mean, decades, it's like, you just do this, just do that, and then it gets worse and worse, and then you got to do more extreme things yeah. as, as time goes by. It's one of those things, when I was a kid, Pat Buchanan was a name I heard a number of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was a, I don't think my dad was, like, a huge backer of Pat Buchanan. Like, he, he, he was a pretty mainstream Republican voter, but he liked Pat and, quote, cited him as, like, someone he thought really got it and, uh-huh. and, and would be a good candidate. And I don't know how much of Pat Buchanan he actually knew. I'm going to guess he right. just heard some sound bites on TV and stuff. Right, the stuff that's more palatable. Yeah, the, not the, the watered down kind of stuff. Cavorting with Nazis bits. Will your dad listen to this? Uh, oh yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Hi dad. Hi hi hi, dad. hi my dad. Uh, I don't think you're a Nazi, but I think you got hoodwinked by one. <laughs> a lot of people. A lot of people get hoodwinked. A lot of people get hoodwinked. That's kind of what they do. Um, it's kind of their goal. Kind of their goal. <laughs> Yeah. So. Products and services. Uh, <laughs> awful connections of awful yeah, people throughout yeah. history. They all know uh, each other. Up to, yeah, they all know each other. They all agree yeah. with each other. Yeah. You could, you could, you could, like, almost, you, you really actually really could play, uh, like, uh, if, if we're doing, like, a degrees of, of George Lincoln Rockwell, mm-hmm. you, get, you get George <laughs> Lincoln Rockwell directly to William Pierce, to that British guy who was on staff with Pat Buchanan, to Pat. There you go. Four, four degrees. It's not that to far. Rockwell, not that yeah. far. What Pretty, a fun game. What a fun game. That I'm, you could play. I'm only one degree away from Heinrich Himmler, by the way. Really? I got to shake hands and, and have an interview with a guy who'd been in the Hitler Youth when you know, he was 14 when the war ended and got to meet all of the... Because they, they would regularly do when he was yeah, a little kid, these yeah. speeches and stuff. So, yeah. Wow. That's well, good my, wow. for that's great. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, good for me. <laughs> Hermann Goering, too. You won the game. I won the Nazi game. Yeah. It's a cool. terrible game that no one should play. Did you know Hitler was a good soldier? That's wonderful, Ori. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> what else was good about Hitler? Was he a good soldier? Yeah, I mean, yeah, fine. fine. He, he, like he did, he did his job well. He got awards for it. Like, sure. it's, yeah, it's. Uh, so were a lot of men who didn't commit yeah. genocide. Yeah, he, uh, he got traumatized. Correct. He got traumatized, and that's why he did all the things. And uh, this is again about Jordan Peterson. Yeah, <laughs> his views of Hitler. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's one of those things. Like, it's such a messy thing. Like, it's totally worth discussing. For example, Hitler spent literally four years in the trenches at the very front and was exposed to an enormous amount of artillery fire. And we have now learned in recent years uh, from our soldiers that constant exposure to artillery and explosions causes essentially CTE, the same thing mm. that NFL right. players get. And like, yeah, it's, there's very good chance that not just Hitler, but a lot of Nazis, most of whom were veterans, mm-hmm. may have been impacted in some way on like a physical level by like the damage done to their That's brains. That's fascinating. Yeah. Totally possible. Yeah. Reasonable thing to talk about and want to explore. Absolutely. Uh, which doesn't mitigate it because, again, a lot of people out there with CTE and traumatic brain injuries mm. who don't Do not. kill six million Jewish people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
compelling compelling point about about other people. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Study. Yeah. Well, it's how you approach it, and it's it's there's uh again I'm not I'm not gonna rant about Jordan Peterson for a long time, but like it's the it's framing things like that that justify the actions. Yeah. As opposed to exploring things that contribute to it. And not like really looking at like where does the ideology come from? Like where like yeah, because yeah, because the people who focus entirely on like oh you know it, it, he got brain damaged or he got traumatized at the front and this caused well they ignore all that he wrote and said and all the people yeah. who knew him when right. he was in that hostel in Vienna as a homeless young man said about the fact that these little tracks which were basically like the the viral image memes it was the fucking four chan of its time these like anti-Semitic tracks that would be printed out cheaply by the hundreds and passed right. around for free on the streets of Vienna Hitler was obsessed with them yep. and collected them and talked about them. And read them to everybody, yeah. and like that was probably more of a factor than probably more of a factor. Yeah. than any potential <laughs> yeah. brain yeah. damage. And from, like, yeah, yeah. you talking about like the uh, like putting the infirm or like disabled yeah. like disabled people in camps. Like, I've I've heard Peterson talk about how like oh it was because you know uh, Hitler had like this weird like OCD and aversion to like germs and stuff, and then it got worse and worse and worse as time went on. It's like, well, no, it's. Because they didn't work and con- and contribute to society. Yeah, because he thought that it was worth more for Germany to win the war than those people to exist. Right. He referred to them as useless eaters. Yeah. It's not like, ooh, they're gross. Like, yeah. it's 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 approaching it he was and disgusted. ignoring yeah. other stuff. He was disgusted by their inability to further his dreams of conquest. Yes. Right. Yeah. Um, right. It wasn't like this weird, like, ooh, I don't like the germs. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's just... It's weird, like it's not because it's not Holocaust revisionism, but like yeah. it, but it's, it's Hitler revisionism. Form of, yeah, just justifications. Yeah. Right, Hitler justificationism. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's so many. I'm a big study in Hitler fan. There's so many <laughs> dumb debates that we have about the guy um, that are are deeply frustrating. Like the people who will focus on the minutia of like, well, we don't have his name on any documents signing away the Holocaust, oh so we don't we don't actually know that it was unreal. You know, it makes me crazy. Like guys, what are you on. doing? Honestly, what what do <laughs> well, you expect? What is the outcome you want from this conversation? Yeah, and what do you want me to think of you? Are you <laughs> are you are you looking at World War II and like taking out of it? Maybe we weren't quite fair to Hitler. Right. Yeah. That's the thing. Like with all these discussions, like what is the logical conclusion and goal of of this approach? Yeah. If you extrapolate it and you go a little farther, like okay, so you're just like it's just Hitler apologism, and then you're justifying those actions with different justifications and making it seem right. valid. Like it's uh, it's all gross. Again, what's the point? 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 You know what the point is. This is not an ad pivot. It's mm. time for y'all to, to plug get your the pluggables. heck out of here. Mm. Oh um, yeah, to get out of here. Uh, my name's Katie Stoll. Oh, I hated that. That's true. <laughs> I love your name. Very no, no, no. The way I said it, like a cheerleader, oh. um, <laughs> uh, or like I was slating for a commercial audition. That's only for actors to care about. Uh, I'm Katie Stoll. We have a, a show. Some more news on YouTube. It's true. We've got a podcast. Even more news where you get podcasts. Also true. Cody. My name is Cody Johnston. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Mr. Cody uh, or Some More News is the Twitter yeah. account for that. Also, patreon.com slash Some More News if you want to support the show in some way. Oh, yeah. And I'm Katie Stoll and also Katie Stoll on the Twitter. Yeah. And I'm 
not Cody Johnston. It's true. But I might be someday. One day. If I play my mm-hmm. cards oh, right. He's going to wear your skin like a suit. I'm going to oh. wear your skin like a suit. Ah, you got it. You got, that's why <laughs> I got the machete. The machete. Oh. Oh. Punchline. Oh, no. All right. Well, I'm going to probably should read the plugs before I do any cutting. Uh, BehindTheBastards.com is our website where you can find the sources for this episode. Uh, you can find me on in, uh, Twitter at, at Bastard, or I write okay. You can find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at, at BastardsPod. You can buy t-shirts, cups, stickers, hand grenades at uh, TeePublic, Behind the Bastards. That's it. That's the show. I'm going to cut. Yeah. Table. I mean, I'm glad I got to know all He's that stuff before you wear my skin. Waving before the knife wear your skin like a suit, Waving the knife. That's right. Like I would say, I would actually describe this as wildly branching the knife. Yeah. I did. I wouldn't earlier, this but way, now. Yeah. Because yeah, is... like it's loose in my hand. Mm-hmm. Very, and the, poison Seems... room, the poison room is right behind me. Yeah. No. Like I could crack the poison really? room and That's we would all be in trouble. Way more likely to break into the poison room with that knife than your throwing bagels. I, I agree. I agree. The throwing. I sh- I'm glad I didn't throw the machete because that poison room, we do not want to crack. Yeah. yeah, no. But it keeps the energy up. It keeps like it, not it, today. It keeps you on your toes, room. you know. Not today. <laughs> not today. Not poison today. room. There's a good chance in the next like nine months or so, but not today. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Podcast is over. Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit tomboyx.com. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.